Well, good morning. We just want to welcome you this morning on this cold, chilly day to Riverside. If you're here for the first time, you are our guest, and we're excited to have you with us. You can go out to the connecting point on your way out today. We have somebody that would just love to meet you, that would love to sit down with you, get to know you. But we're so thankful that of anywhere that you could be on this cold morning in Peoria that you chose to be here with us at Riverside. We're in the middle of 21 days of what we're calling prayer and fasting. This is actually day 14, and it has been amazing to see what has gone on. And we invite you, if you missed today, we're making our way through the entire Gospel of John. We're 14 chapters in, seven more to go. We're going to finish next Sunday. But we invite you to join us on this journey. So if you missed today, you can go to riversidepeoria.com slash 21 days. The cool thing that's happened over the last two weeks is that many of you have shared stories about what God is speaking to you, what God is doing in your life, even some of you, what God is doing in your finances over the last week. And we would love to hear your story. So if you go to our website, there's a spot where you can just share your story. And it goes out to our team. And it's amazing what God is doing already in the first two weeks of 2020. But before I go any further, I'm so excited because today we are welcoming back our founding pastor, Pastor John and Letty. We have missed you. I'm so glad you're rejuvenated. You got a little tan. It's so glad to have you back. But we're in the middle, we're in actually the third week of a series that we're calling 2020, talking about who we are as a church. And the first week, you may remember, we talked about Jesus is our pursuit. And last week, we talked about generosity is our privilege. And today, if you're taking notes, I want you to go ahead and write down for the third week of this series, serving is our priority. Serving is our priority. Now, last week, I said, we don't give out of obligation. We give out of a grateful heart. And this morning, I want to start right from the beginning, is that we don't serve out of obligation. We serve out of love. We serve out of love. And some of you right now are saying, last week he talked about giving. This week he's talking about serving. Can he let it go? But we believe as a church, this is what we're all about. This is exactly what we're all about. Now, some of you already are thinking, I don't have any time to serve. I don't have one extra hour in the week. A recent survey I read said that the average work week is 47 hours a week. We're working 47 plus hours a week. That's why on Saturday mornings, the email that I send to you, I try to keep it intentionally brief because I know you don't have time to read it. You see, our schedule, my family's schedule is crazy right now. My assistant, Carla, she said at the beginning of the year, she goes, I want to have your schedule on my computer. And I was like, I'm not sure you want that. Because I looked at her calendar, and, it, and, it's, and it's pretty brief. She has things here and there. And she goes, no, I want to see so people can plug in if they want to go out for coffee with you or lunch or they want to come in and have a meeting with you. And I said, okay. And so I plugged in. I gave her access to my calendar. And no joke, I watched as her computer lit up and it went all purple. We have so much stuff going on between all of our kids, between Rach and myself and working and other commitments. We're all busy. We don't have time to serve. See, growing up, 
um, I wasn't the most athletic kid. And you're like, shocking. I was at, both of my boys had basketball games yesterday. Ben in, in the morning, Liam later in the morning. And as I sit there, I always turn to Rachel and I said, where do they get any of this athletic ability from? Because that ain't us. You see, to give you a little bit of an in-depth look into, into Pastor Michael, is that I've shared before, I was that kid with the inhaler, like would go in my pocket for the first 25 years. Even more nerdy than that, I just didn't have an inhaler. I had a straight-up nebulizer machine. Okay, you don't need to laugh at that. And everywhere I went, I took this thing, in, and my mom put it in like a beach bag, which was like doubly nerdy. And I would take that thing everywhere I went. And so I couldn't, I couldn't play lots of sports. I couldn't be outside very often. And so my mom had to get creative with what she did with me, like what we did for fun. And so I, I went to lots of movies. I listened to lots of music. And, and my mom would take me to like theater events, things like that. And I remember we went to the Civic Center when I was about second or third grade. And we saw um, Annie, little orphan Annie, the sun will come out tomorrow, Annie, which is just what you want to take an eight-year-old boy to, but nevertheless. Um, <laughs> and we sat there, and I thought it was cool. Like, I thought it was cool, like live theater, that's pretty awesome. And I, and I said to my mom, I'm like, I'd like to do that. That, that would kind of be cool. And so the next year, this uh, children's theater from Missoula, Montana, they rolled into town, and they were doing auditions for the Wizard of Oz. And I was like, Yes, I love the Wizard of Oz. I want to be the scarecrow, like he's cool. Not really that cool, but. And so my mom took me to the auditions. I auditioned. I had to say a few parts. I had to memorize some stuff. And I got, we get a call back. I got a call back. And I was going to perform on stage at the Peoria Civic Center Theater. Yeah, thank you. Pretty big deal when I was eight. And I was like, show up, and they're going to tell you what your part's going to be. I rewatched The Wizard of Oz. If I only had a brain, I learned the song. I was ready to be the scarecrow. <laughs> I got there, and they were handing out parts. And uh, the part assigned to me was to be one of the flying monkeys. And so basically what my, my costume looked like is um, it looked like, well, kind of like Barney the Dinosaur. It was like a purple onesie that you zipped up from top to bottom. And then it had things that looked like black streamers just hanging off the arms and the back. And I'm not going to show you what I had to do because I have some dignity. <laughs> um, but basically, I had to run around the stage making monkey noises during a key scene um, with the Wicked Witch. It was the worst experience of my life. Like, I wanted to quit. Like, after night one, I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. And mom's like, you wanted this. You have five more performances. Oh, crap. Um, I just said crap in church. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but I tell you all that because I went from being just... Someone watching to someone being involved. I went from just watching something, being a spectator, to now I was a participant. And I think that's what God calls each and every one of us to be. God calls each and every one of us to serve. And I love if you read the devotional yesterday from Megan Ogan, who's our Connect Group 
um, director in day 13. Yeah, it was amazing. Go back and read it if you didn't get a chance to. But it was such a great setup for what we're going to talk about today with serving. And so we're going to start by looking at Mark chapter 9, verses 33 through 35. And it said, after they arrived at Capernaum and settled into a house, Jesus asked his disciples, what were you discussing out on the road? But they didn't answer because they had been arguing about which of them was the greatest. He sat down, called the 12 disciples over to him and said, whoever wants to be first must take last place and be the servant of everyone else. See, the disciples, they were arguing about stupid stuff. I don't know if you can relate, but my kids, they argue about stupid stuff. We get in the van to come to church on Sunday, and they start to argue about where they're going to sit in the van. (laughs) And me being the pastor of this church says, hey guys, let's stop arguing about that. You know me, I keep it real with you. It's me like, are you kidding me right now? It doesn't matter where you sit. Just find a seat so we can pull out of this driveway. But you see, I think that's what the disciples were doing here. They were arguing about some re- something really stupid, like which of us is the greatest? But Jesus, it says, he sat down. Listen, that's a tell. Anytime that Jesus sits down, that means he's about to teach them something. He's about to share something with them. See, if you go back into ancient China, it was fashionable for wealthy men to kind of grow out their fingernails really long. See, one of the things I always got from my grandparents every single Christmas was a book that was called uh, Ripley's Believe It or Not. I got it every year from my grandma. And every year, the first page I would turn to was the picture that had the person with the world record for the longest nails. Has anybody ever seen that picture? I was going to put it on the screen, and I'm like, that will gross you out. But they come out, and they, like, do curly cues. It looks like a roller coaster coming off their fingers. But back in China, it was fashionable for wealthy men to grow out their fingernails really long so that wouldn't allow them to do any work whatsoever. This demonstrated that they didn't have to do anything for themselves, that they had servants who would do everything there. A servant was always there to wait on him. But when you look back at this passage in Mark, I believe Jesus declared that true greatness is not shown by how many serve you, but how many you serve yourself. That's where true greatness is found. You see... Not only in these first three weeks have we shared a pillar of who we are as a church, but an expectation as well. The first week, the expectation was, we expect you to come to church every single week. And some of you are three for three this new year. Congratulations. (laughs) And then last week, we shared the expectation is for you to tithe, to give a portion, a 10% of what God has given you back. And this week, I'm not letting you off the hook. Our expectation this week is that you find an area in this church to serve. Somewhere in this church to serve. See, because I believe we don't just sit, we serve. 
We literally have hundreds of people who serve this church week in and week out. Week in and week out, hundreds of people. And I want to tell you that next week, we're having a leadership lunch. So if you currently serve here at Riverside, we want you to come eat lunch with us at 1245, immediately following our second service. The fast officially ends next Sunday after church. We're going to come together and we're going to eat, y'all. I told you two weeks ago, like, I was preparing myself for when I go to open the mailbox and a sheet of, like, Shake and Shake coupons drops out. Like, get thee behind me, Satan. Well, um, I, I went to my mailbox here at the office uh, earlier this week, and somebody had put a sheet of Steak and Shake coupons in my mailbox. <laughs> uh, we fired them, obviously. Um, <laughs> But I tell you that because all the hundreds of people who serve are doing it out of obedience to Jesus. He commands us to serve. When you serve, you're being obedient to what Jesus commands in his scriptures. You see, but not only do we do it out of obedience, but we do it to follow Jesus' example. Throughout scripture, that's what Jesus was known for. He serves. A couple weeks ago, I couldn't sleep at night. And so I don't know about you, um, but I'm sure you're much more spiritual than I am. And when you can't sleep, you pull out God's word and you're studying the word. Um, I go to Netflix. Judge me. Um, and so I, I watched a movie called, that many of you have probably seen from 12, 13 years ago, called The Bucket List. The Bucket List. And it has Jack Nicholson, Morgan Freeman, and they, they find out they don't have much longer to live. And so they do all the things that they've ever wanted to do. So they go to Mount Everest, they go to the Great Wall of China, they go skydiving. They do whatever they can because they only have a little bit of time left. See, what would you do if you knew your life was about to end? How would you spend your last days? The reason I ask that is because what we're going to read today is the last day of Jesus' life. Jesus is about to be arrested, crucified, die a painful death, and you're going to see today the first thing he did on his last day is he served. We're going to pick up today in John chapter 13, and some of you, this will be review because we read this together yesterday in our 21-day devotional but in John chapter 13, it's Jesus' last day, and we're going to read about what he did, starting in verse 4 through 17. It says, So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never, ever wash my feet. And Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and head as well, Lord. Lord, not just my feet. Jesus replied, a person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. That's what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. 
After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, Do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, but that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I've done to you. I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. See, in biblical times, foot washing was the first thing you would do when you would walk into somebody's house. It was refreshing. It was cleanly. See, if you were in just a a regular person's house, they would put out a bowl for you and you'd wash your own feet. But if you were in an important person's house, they would have a servant do it for you. And the host would give the water and then the servant would come take off the sandals and wash the feet just like we see Jesus here. It was done by a slave. It was a job done by the lowliest person in the household. See, what I see here in the scripture is Jesus humbled himself. He was lowly. See, his act of humility pushed back on their selfishness and it showed unbelievable love. I love how Megan said it in the devotion yesterday. She said, if you want to excel in love, you must excel in humility. See, in generation two of Riverside, we are not here to just to be served, but we're here to serve others. Going forward, serving is our priority. See, because I think if you look back in John chapter 13, it was a foreshadowing of, of what the disciples were about to see. See, because it says that Jesus rose from supper, a place of comfort, a place of rest. See, when Jesus came to earth, he rose from heaven. He rose from a throne, a place of rest and comfort. If it continues to go on, it says Jesus laid aside his garments, taking off his covering. When he came down from heaven, he took aside his glory. He laid them down. He took off his heavenly covering. It says he took a towel. He was ready to work. When Jesus came to earth, he took the form of a servant ready to work. And then finally you see Jesus poured water into a basin ready to clean. See, Jesus poured out his blood as the ultimate sacrifice. Salvation for you and for me. See, God sent his son to be the ultimate servant. When you serve, you're honoring God in what you do. You're being an example. When Jesus was washing their feet, he wasn't thinking of himself. He was thinking about others. And I love this passage that on the day before he knew he would die, Jesus still chose to serve. But beyond that, he washed the feet of Judas who he knew was about to betray him. That's a true servant right there. When you're loving your enemies in spite of what's going on. See, I believe the gateway to greatness is by being a servant. Jesus went from high to low to serve you. He came from heaven to earth to be the ultimate sacrifice for you and for me. Can I tell you, be like Jesus. If nothing else you take from today, be like Jesus. 
And some of you may be new here, and you're like, I'm not sure how I can serve. Well, today at your seat, we've left a little uh, pamphlet, a little card, if you will. I think I have one up here somewhere, maybe. There it is. On the front of it, it says, serving is our priority. And this morning, we're going to go through this together. But the first thing, and if you don't have one right beside you, there's probably one on the seat next to you. I want you to grab it. Look behind you, look beside you, but I want everybody to make sure you have one of these today because we're going to continue to just come back to it throughout the morning. See, if you're new here, I believe that one of the best ways for you to get connected is to serve. You will meet people serving that you would have never met in a church this size otherwise. See, there's a woman named Jennifer Zapata. You probably see her every single Sunday in our lobby. See, Jennifer and I met the very first time I ever served in this church. And we struck up a friendship. We struck up a relationship. And every single Sunday, we make it a priority to see one another, to check in with one another, to see how each one of us are doing. But see, if you're new here, there's something that we have offered called Growth Track. And you may be new, or you just may have been at Riverside for a while, and you've never served before. Can I encourage you, when you look at this, to sign up for something called Growth Track? Growth Track, what that is, it will do uh, several different things. It will equip you to know Jesus better. It will allow you to learn a little bit more about who we are as the church. It'll help you find out what your actual gifting is, and then we find ways for you to connect to the church. That's what Growth Track is. And Growth Track is going to start two weeks from today, the very first uh, Sunday in February, February 2nd. And what's going to happen is that that will be immediately after second service for four weeks in a row, just an hour from 1245 to 145. We're going to serve you lunch every day. Our staff is going to be down there. Key members of our team are going to be there to share with you. But I want to encourage you, if you don't share, if you don't serve anywhere now, and you're not sure where I can serve, will you right now, before you think about it any further, mark Growth Track. Mark Growth Track, and somebody from our team this week will get back in touch with you. It's the best way to get plugged into what we're doing. We'll allow childcare that day. We'll feed your family. There's no excuse for you not to be a part of it. We're looking forward to February and going through Growth Track together. Now, my team will tell you that I've spent a lot of time recently studying the book of Nehemiah back in the Old Testament. Now, Nehemiah is an Old Testament book, and what happens is that he hears about what's happening in Jerusalem. He hears about what's happening to the Jews. And in Nehemiah chapter 1, we see that they've been disgraced, they're distressed, the walls of the city have been torn down. It says that the city's gates has actually been burnt down. Now, Jerusalem is an important part of the story. Because from the very beginning, God had set aside Jerusalem for great things, for greatness. And you see, as you continue on with Nehemiah's story, God gives him a vision. God gives him a vision to rebuild Jerusalem. Well, Nehemiah at the time, he serves as the king's cupbearer. Now that sounds like you would just give somebody a water bottle, but no, that actually means that he was his advisor, he was his helper, he was the king's assistant. He had a very prominent role. And so he's praying about, God, how can I do this? You've given me a vision, but I have no means. And in Nehemiah chapter 2, an opportunity finally arrives. The king asks him, 
what's going on? Why are you so sad? And in that moment, he takes his shot. He says to the king, hey, here's the vision that God has given for me. And as you continue on in Nehemiah chapter 2, the king gives him permission, power, and a passport. He gives him permission to go back and start rebuilding the city. He gives him power. He says, I'm going to set you up to be the governor of Jerusalem. And he gives him a passport, essentially. He gives him these papers and say, hey, no matter where you go, show these papers. It gives you authority. It says that you're from me. I'm giving you permission. And so all the pieces come together, and Nehemiah starts to see his vision come to pass. He arrives in Jerusalem, and late one night he goes out and he starts to inspect the city. And in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 12, it says, I had not told anyone about the plans God had put in my heart for Jerusalem. Have you ever told your vision to somebody too soon? Have you ever told it to somebody too soon before it's all figured out? Because a lot of times what happens is there's lots of people that are naysayers. Lots of people who will question it. Lots of people that will ask, are you sure about that? You see, I believe the quickest way to kill the vision that God has for your life is to tell it, tell it to people too soon. See, last week, I shared with you about the bus. And if you weren't here to hear about the bus, go back and check out last week's message online or the podcast. God gave me months ago this vision for the bus. And I didn't tell anybody about it. Because I was like, there's no way. There's no way we can have that happen. I'm sat in budget meetings. There's no way. And God just kept giving me confirmation after confirmation after confirmation. And so I shared it with Rach one night. And then slowly I shared it with key members of our team. Real talk, I didn't even share it with the elders before last Sunday. Because what often happens is that when you share your vision too soon, lots of people start to want to shut it down. See, because if you continue what happens in Nehemiah, for a few days, he just goes and checking things out, looking to see what they're up against. And then finally, towards the end of chapter 2, he goes to share his plan with the Jewish leaders. He shares his story about how God had been in it through the whole thing. He shares his conversation with the king. And I love how the people respond in Nehemiah 2.18. It says, they replied at once, yes, let's rebuild the wall. So they began the good work. See, Nehemiah had a team of committed, enthusiastic volunteers ready to go to work. See, when you serve, God will give you a passion for the project. He will give you energy. He will give you determination. See, when God gives you a passion, you don't have to have all the little details filled out yet. See, the bus, we don't have all the details filled out, but I know that's the vision God has given us. I know that's the direction he's leading us in. And see, I imagine Nehemiah, he doesn't know how this is all going to work out, but I imagine him not even being able to sleep because he's already imagining God's will being accomplished, his passion 
I believe was off the charts. But almost immediately, we're introduced to three dudes. Geshem, Tobiah, and Sambalat. They sound like Marvel villains. <laughs> but these three guys, they start mocking him. And I love what Nehemiah does because he serves as an example of a willingness to work hard even in spite of criticism. When God starts to do something, Satan would love nothing more than to stop it. He would love nothing more. See, once you announce your vision, you open yourself up to criticism. When God gives you a vision for your life, can I tell you, there will always be critics. There will always be people who don't understand. Visions are easy to criticize. And oftentimes, God's visions die at the hand of critics because we stop too soon. We get worried what other people think about us. But I love Nehemiah. His first response when people criticize is he first followed it up with prayer, and then he immediately went back to work. He didn't allow his enemies to be the focus of his attention. See, our natural response when we get criticized is to defend ourselves, especially when our vision comes under attack. And we waste a lot of energy trying to answer questions. We try to provide answers to people who I'm not even sure really want answers. They just want to be difficult. We go from being vision-centered to critic-centered. See, a vision often requires change, which is often viewed as a threat. You're going to change something. You're going to change yourself. You're going to change how we lead this family. It's viewed as a threat, and criticism and jealousy often go hand in hand. I say that because I've been there. I've criticized things that I was jealous about. I started to criticize people because I was jealous about the opportunities that they had. Criticism can kill things. Can I be real with you today? Your vision will threaten others who have no vision for their life. Your vision will threaten others who have no vision for their life. And oftentimes, a God vision has more questions than it ever has answers. So if over these first two weeks, God has given you a vision, don't let the discouragement of a few cause you to walk away from the vision that God has birthed in you. Keep walking. Keep believing. See, if God could go back in Nehemiah's story and sway the king to finance the rebuilding of the wall, he can certainly change the hearts of the people that stand between you and your vision. He can certainly do it. See, it's one thing to launch a vision. It's a totally different thing to see it through to completion. Because the energy, the enthusiasm that you have for the start of a vision is never enough to see it through to the end. It's never enough to see it through to completion. When you have 
a vision, when you start to serve, you must have the discipline to finish the job. You must commit to it. And that's hard to say because we live in a commitment-phobic society. We don't finish anything. See, lots of you start going to the gym in January. By January 19th, my gym is a lot less crowded. I'll be really honest with you. In 19 days, people have already dropped their commitment. See, many of you came out to Wednesday night classes. And there's some of you that probably went home saying, I know all this stuff. It was kind of awkward. It's probably going to be cold on Wednesday. I'm not going back. Can I tell you, can you commit to the Wednesday night class? If you started, see it through to completion. God has you there for a reason. See, we don't commit to jobs anymore. I talked to somebody the other day, and they were waiting to get their W-2s from the five jobs they had in 2019. We don't commit to our marriages. We don't commit to our families. We bounce when things get too hard. See, when I started off in underground, we had people that came out from all over, and like, I want to serve, I want to serve. Awesome. And I would schedule 45 minutes to an hour to meet with every single individual person that wanted to serve underground. And I, I talk, hey, tell me about it. Tell me your story. Here's what we do. And hey, can I tell you what happened? Seven out of ten times, those people would quit within the first few months. They were commitment phobic. They would start to make excuses. So what I started to do is when somebody says, I want to help at Underground, I'm going to serve at Underground, I said, come check it out. Come on a Wednesday night, 645, we'll be right here, come check it out. Because can I tell you what happens? You can catch somebody's commitment level right then and there. If they come and check it out and they're here for a few weeks, we want them a part of our team. But there are so many times when I would say to people, hey, yeah, come see what we're all about. I would never see them again. It was like crickets. You see, all the time, People bounce when it gets too easy. Can I tell you the rest of Nehemiah's story? Nehemiah stayed 12 years until the project was complete. 12 years. Now, some of you are freaking out right now, and you're saying, you want me to serve for 12 years? I'm not saying that. But start somewhere. Start somewhere. I have to give it up because there's a woman in this service named Pam Chisholm. She's right over here to my left. Pam Chisholm started to be my Ella's small group leader back in kindergarten or first grade. Tiny, pigtailed little girl. And every single year, Pam kept looping up with that group of girls. Pam served my daughter for about six or seven years straight. The foundation that that woman left in my daughter, I can never thank her enough. She kept serving, 
even when, if you know, girls get to a certain age and they're annoying. <laughs> but she just kept serving. She just kept believing in my daughter. She kept speaking life over my daughter. So Pam Chisholm, I'm going to tell you on behalf of Rachel and I, thank you. Thank you for the investment that you made in my daughter. Thank you for saying yes. See, what are you building? Who are you investing in? There's a man named Pastor Joe Greenwald who served this church faithfully for years and years. And one day he tapped me on the shoulder and said, I think you'd be great to help in youth. I'll never forget Pastor Joe because he was the catalyst for me being here today. He tapped me on the shoulder and said, here's what I think you would be good at. And can I tell you, if you're a leader in here, don't be scared to tap somebody on the shoulder before they're ready. I wasn't ready anywhere, but he saw the potential in me. And he said, I think you can do this. And so let's stop looking for somebody's perfection and let's start looking for their potential. And there's some of you even today, it's like a game of tag. You know that God has been tapping you and saying, I think this would be an area to serve. And you keep running away. You keep hiding. And let's be real, you're probably exhausted because you've been running so much. But what if today God is tapping you to say, you're it. It's your time. Let's go. There's an amazing young lady that will be here in second service. Her name is Aubrey Osborne. God gave this young woman a heart for missions years and years ago, and she has been on all corners of the globe serving. And out of the blue in November, I got a FaceTime from her. And she said, hey, I just want to let you know um, that I'm coming back in December. And here, when she went to the mission field as part of YWAM Youth with a Mission, I thought we'd never see her again. This girl just had a heart for missions. And I sat down with her, and she came back, and over a cup of coffee during the fast, she had coffee, I had water. She said, I had a clear call from God that he was calling me back to serve. See, God called her back to this house from Myanmar. She was on the other side of the world, and God put it on her heart to say, I want to serve this house. I'm coming back to Riverside. I believe this is where God has called me. So can I challenge you today? Aubrey came all the way back from Myanmar to serve. Can you drive from East Peoria or Tremont or Morton or Dunlap or Galesburg, wherever you're from, to find a way to serve this house, to serve God's people? See, that card in front of you, it has some more ways that you can serve. And I want to go through a few of them. We always need help with Riverside Kids. There are many of you in here that you have kids that are either in Riverside Kids right now, upstairs in the nursery. Would you help us? Would you help us pour into the next generation? Would you believe that the next generation is going to accomplish things even greater than we've seen? But Pastor Miranda, she needs your help. If you continue, we need help in the kitchen. Maybe you can help us on Wednesday nights. Mary Dawson is right over here to the left. Give it up for Mary. 
I love Mary and Tim. They do an amazing job. But we have Wednesday night meals that maybe you could help us prep. We have funerals throughout the week that take place here. Special events. If you can cut a strawberry, you can come and help Mary. No special expertise needed. But maybe that's you. Maybe you can help us count money. The cool thing, let me tell you this, this is so exciting. Last week, the first thing, uh, Carrie Arnold, who's our accountant, she came to me Monday morning. She goes, Michael, you wouldn't believe the number of wadded up $1 bills that were in the offering this week. Because we gave you the challenge, like give one. And y'all, you pick like out of your, I don't know where you found it, the depths of your pocket with lint and everything, and you threw it in there. But Carrie and our team can't do it on their own. So if you are trustworthy, let's say that, if you're trustworthy and you can help us one service a month, will you check it off? And can I tell you before we go any further, don't just mark one of these. If God puts anything on your heart, mark the whole thing and light it up today. For some of you, if you can smile, we need you on our Connect team. I say to Pastor Dana all the time, I do not want people that stand there that look like they have a stomach ache. <laughs> I want the kindest, smiliest people on these doors. So if you can smile, smile at me right now and then check off Connect Team. <laughs> and then the last thing I want to talk about is we are starting a parking team. We're starting a parking team because as people come, we want to show them where to go. And this side lot over here is going to be reserved strictly for first-time guests and those with disabilities. So if y'all normally park in this lot, don't park there anymore. <laughs> strictly. But we need a parking team. So once again, if you can smile and you can use a wand like this. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Thank you. Angel's excited about it. We want you to sign up for our parking team. Now listen, there's lots of people that come up to me, and they say, Michael, I'm a leader. And basically what that means is, I've read every John Maxwell book, Patrick Lencioni book. Like, I want to lead, I want to help at this church, and I'm like, in my head, because I don't say this out loud, I'm like, um, you can barely come to church every week, <laughs> let alone lead something right now. Like, once we see your commitment level rise, then we might see your leadership status rise. Can I just be honest with you today? But that's what we want to see. People say, I want to be on the worship team. I want to be up here. And I'll say, hey, can you come help us Wednesday night at Underground? You can check out somebody's heart right there. When they're willing to come on a Wednesday night in front of 100 students, yeah, I'll do it for 100 I don't need it for hundreds, but it's a heart issue. Serving is a heart issue. Can I be honest with you? A couple months ago, we did this funny little like announcement where you followed me around and I was out here and there was like snow blowing in my face all over my eyebrows. And I was like, hey, we want you to sign up to be at the Santa Claus parade. And I was so excited about it. Can I tell you, Pastor John and the team will tell you, the Santa Claus parade is not my favorite thing. I do not like to be cold at all. <laughs> but God worked on my heart because the Santa Claus parade, there were people that will see who 
Riverside is that will never step foot inside this church. So I will button up, I'll put on three, la- three layers, I'll put on extra gloves, I will be in the Santa Claus parade because I know that serving is my priority. See, oftentimes we get a little inwardly focused. What can the church do for me? What's comfortable for me? What can I get out of it? But when you start to serve, God starts to expand your heart. It starts to supersede you, and it starts to impact other people when you serve. See, I wrote down, if you are too big to serve, you're too small to lead. You're too big to serve, you're too small to lead. And people say to me, Pastor Michael, you should give me a job at this church. And I always say, hey, start serving. The bulk of our staff, this is accurate, go check it out. The bulk of our staff started off by serving. Pastor Dana, Pastor Josh, Pastor Miranda, Pastor Natalie. It could go on and on and on. The bulk of our staff started by serving. See, the first place I ever served was in the kitchen downstairs. 18 years ago. They said, we have a need for people to serve in the kitchen. And I'm like, sign me up. And the first thing that I was asked to do was to put together a fruit platter. I had no idea how to put together a fruit platter because I don't eat fruit. This Daniel fast has been tough, y'all. But I started down there. I'm going to have one of these grapes because I'm hungry. I shouldn't have eaten that because now I'm talking with my mouth full, and Letty's going to be very offended by that. <laughs> but you see, when I started 18 years ago, I started at a platter. I didn't naturally start as your pastor on this platform, but serving led me from the platter to the platform. <laughs> See, you start small. You start at something. When you start to serve, God will position you into the right place at the right time. It may not be on your timetable. When I started serving 18 years ago, never in a million years did I think, if I make a nice fruit platter, one day I might be the pastor of Riverside. (laughs) Never in a million years. See, if you're too big to serve, you're too small to lead. Somebody made fun of me last week because when I got up here, maybe you didn't even catch it. I said, hey, welcome to Riverside. My name's Michael. I'm one of the pastors here. Because I never want to get to the place where I'm bigger than anybody else. I want to serve just like everybody else in this building. That's my heart, to serve over and over. Because if serving is beneath you, leadership is beyond you. If serving is beneath you, leadership is beyond you. About 600 years before Nehemiah, we see a man named Jesse. And Jesse has several sons, and one day he gets a knock on his door. He goes to the door, and Samuel shows up up unannounced at his house. And he says, I'm here. I'm here to anoint the next king. And Jesse has all of his sons come out. And, he's, and Samuel's like, nope, not that one. Nope, not that one. 
Do you have anybody else? And he says, I have my youngest son, David. David's here. And Samuel sees him, and God speaks to him and says, that's the one. That's the one. And so Samuel anoints him. And you would think the story would go, Samuel anoints him, and David goes right from there to the palace. It's not what happens. He didn't go to the palace. He went right back to the pasture. He went right back to tending sheep, and he started to wait. And you know what David did? He served. He played the harp. He became Saul's armor bearer. He ends up saying that he goes and delivers lunch to his family, to his brothers. He went to faithfully serve. He didn't go looking for an opportunity. He went to serve, and God elevated him. You see, I wrote down today, you have to be willing to do something small before God will ever trust you to do something larger. David went to deliver a lunch and he ended up having a face-to-face encounter with the king. He goes on to slay Goliath, but it started because he was serving. You see, just like we as individuals can get inwardly focused, so can a church. What are you doing for me? What about my ministries? What about what's already going on here? And if you've caught nothing in the first two weeks, hopefully you've caught that my heart goes beyond these four walls. My heart for what God wants to do doesn't stay in this room. It goes into our community. It spreads. If you look at this, the last three things that I just want to talk about today, the last four things, rather, last week we gave you this challenge of the bus but we need bus drivers for when that bus shows up. So if you have a CDL, you can help us out. You wouldn't mind giving up one week a month. Could you mark that on here? Night to Shine, coming up February 7th. Night to Shine, y'all, I'm so excited about it. It is a special needs prom for people 14 years and older. Listen, we're gonna share the love of Jesus on that night, and we need your help. We're expecting 150 guests that night. At the office the other day, the crown, the tiaras, they all came in. There's gonna be a special time that night where every single guest gets crowned the king and queen of night to shine. Y'all, I tear up already thinking about it. We need your help. So if you can help us out that night, please sign up for night to shine. Two last new initiatives that we're going to do. Dream Center is starting something called Here for Good, and we are so excited. In March, basically what it is, is that we are going to take a group of committed leaders, committed volunteers, and we're going to go out to the community. We're going to go out to the same block with the same people, visit the same homes in the same neighborhoods once a month the first Saturday of every month. Because we believe that when you build relationships with people, you can start to share the love of Jesus with them. You can start to meet their individual needs. And so there is nothing that I would love more than to have hundreds of people 
join in us the first Saturday in March as we hit the neighborhoods. As we start to be the hand and feet of Jesus one morning a month, we would love for you to sign up for Here for Good. And finally, many of you know my background. I was a teacher for many, many years. And just last week, I got to go visit Lincoln School. Lincoln School, give it up for Lincoln. It's a four-minute drive down the road, and what we want to do is we want to reach out to that school. We want to adopt that school. Can I tell you, it's one of the most neediest places in the city. Most students are anywhere from two to three grade levels behind. And we want to go in there and help. How can we help? Simple. We're asking you to go give up maybe a half hour or an hour a month to just read with students, to help them with math, to go eat lunch with them. See, one of the things that was shared that day is that many of the students that go there are also students that we see at our after-school program at the Dream Center. We already have a connection, and we want to build upon that foundation. But lots of the students at Lincoln, they've lost trust in the adults in their life. We want to rebuild that. We want them to start seeing those of us who follow Jesus. We just want to love on them. It doesn't mean we have to have all the right words. We want to share a snack with them. They're looking for birthday buddies because a lot of those kids don't have a birthday celebration. So what we're going to do when we know that it's a student's birthday, we're going to come in with cupcakes, we're going to bring balloons, we're going to have a party. I came back and I got to meet with them and I came back and I talked to Pastor Miranda and as we started to talk about this, we were so excited, like we wanted to get in the car and go there that day. Like what can we do? But could you give a half hour or an hour a month to pour in to a segment of our population, either through Here for Good or through our Adopt-a-School program? Can you mark those things? See, when you serve, you're making an eternal deposit into the kingdom of God. Last week, I gave you the challenge, give one. Give one extra dollar above your tithe and offering. Can I challenge you again this week? Give one again. Can you give one hour a month to serve in some capacity? One hour a month to do something that's on these cards. Because I'll tell you, when you serve, you're opening yourself up to Holy Spirit opportunities. You're opening yourself up to divine appointments. God will put people in your path. In 1 Peter 4.10, it says, each of us has received a gift Use it to serve one another. Use it to serve one another. See, a few years ago, we were driving back from vacation. And I'm very OCD. I'm very like a scheduled person. And so we were driving from Orlando back home to Pekin. And that day, I had the GPS, and I knew we were going to arrive back in town at 6.03 p.m. And already I knew, okay, I can get this many loads of laundry done, I can do whatever we have to do. But as we were driving through Kentucky, we had a flat tire. And you started to hear the stud. And ultimately, I'll tell you, I didn't have the best mood. And what started to happen is that we pulled off along the side of the road. And we pulled off in front of 
Gordonsville Baptist Church. And I went inside, and there's an older man that came out, and he asked if he could help us. His name was Wes. And Wes said, hey, can I, can I help you guys? And for the next several hours, Wes served my family. You see, it's not a coincidence that we got a flat tower, tire right in front of that church. It's not a coincidence that Wes happened to be there because he mowed the lawn for a half hour every two weeks. And we happened to be there in that half hour. It wasn't a coincidence that he had exactly three Capri Suns for my kids who were dying of thirst. It wasn't a coincidence that his best friend owned a tire shop just down the road. See, as we sat there over the next few hours, we got to hear Wes share his story. He talked about his one and only daughter who had passed away tragically. He talked about how his wife was battling medical conditions. He talked about the story where he himself died on the operating table, had an amazing story. That day, Wes was Jesus to my family. And I'm sure the weeks and months passed and Wes forgot about that loud family from Illinois. Can I tell you, never forgot him. We still talk about him. My kids still bring him up sometimes. Remember Wes? See, when you serve, God will position you at just the right moments. God will open opportunities. See, tomorrow we're going to celebrate the life and the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And I love this quote that says, anyone can be great because anyone can serve. Anyone can be great because anyone can serve. See, and some of you today are like, I would love nothing more than to be on that platform one day, to use my gifts on that platform. Could I challenge you today? What if you started at the platter level? What if you just started to serve right here? What if you started to go to Riverside Kids and you got down on your knees and you bent down and you're just there to help a four-year-old tie shoes? What if you sign up to be a part of Here for Good, where we're going to go and whatever needs that neighborhood needs, we're going to help. So maybe that's going to be getting on our knees and painting some trim. Maybe that's going to be getting on our knees and scrubbing some people's floors. I'm going to start at the platter level. I'm going to start low. Or maybe it's signing up to help us adopt a school. 
Maybe it's getting side by side with a young person and helping them read, helping them figure out that unfamiliar word. And maybe it's just face to face where you're saying, you're important to me. You're special to me. I know maybe you've never heard this before, but you have value. Your life has purpose. See, start to see what happens when you serve. God will start to open up opportunities like you could never have ever expected. See, as a church, serving is our priority. And I'm gonna challenge you, give one. But can I challenge you to go even a step further on that list? Is there more than one thing you could partner with us? As you leave today, there's gonna be ushers at all three doors. They're actually gonna be holding platters to turn in your card. Can you imagine what would happen throughout this community if we just started to serve the way Jesus served throughout scripture? So God, today, I thank you for this church. I thank you for what you're doing, but God, we look forward in anticipation for what you're gonna continue to do. God, I pray that you work on each and every one of our hearts that it's not about us, it's all about you. And when we serve, we're being obedient to you, but we're following your example. God, that we're not looking for the platform, we're not looking for the elevation, but we're starting on our knees. We're starting at the platter level. And so God, we just ask, use us. Use us in a powerful way. Wherever you wanna take us, God, allow opportunities to drop in our lap where we can share your love wherever we go. In your name.